this morning, our, most of our students, not all of them, but most of our students are away at a, re- a retreat. Um, I remember when I was much, much younger, and I'm really not that terribly old, but there was a day, and some of y'all remember this, when the report cards were actually real cards, you know, re- real report cards and all the digital stuff. And I remember getting a report card, first, second, third grade anyway, and I would, they would hand it out in class, and we'd have to take it home and have our parents sign it and bring it back, right? Well, when I was, my school system, whatever else, uh, if I remember this correctly, the grading scale was really, you know, one to five, but five being the best. And so the card, they listed all the different uh, subjects, and I was, okay, you know, first, second, third, I was a pretty good student, and I was very competitive, I wanted to get in there and do the best I could, and so my report card was pretty much, you know, four, five, four, five, four, five, four, five, one. Oh no! It was it was it seemed like every single semester it was like this four five four five one. Oh no, not again! Because I knew what my mom was going to do. My mom was not happy with ones. She was not. She I was going to get a tongue lashing huge, especially because the subject was conduct. I thought, oh no, conduct again! And I wasn't a bad kid. I just liked to talk. They had, they had no test to my knowledge for maybe, I'm sure, well, maybe they did, I don't know, for ADHD. But if they did, and I would have taken that, I'm really wondering what I would have come up with because I just talked all the time, constantly. When there, she asked for comments, I was, and answers, I was raising something, and questions, and I was raising something. And whether she called on me or not was irrelevant because I was going to share my heart because it was so wise and so incredible. And, and I, I thought, that what I was coming up with was cute and was funny and was clever, and so I was I was just constantly sharing. And uh, I I remember uh, going to the front of the class and writing on the chalkboard five times. I will not talk in class while the whole class looked at me. I remember multiple times going to the front and sitting on the stool in the corner, facing the corner, because I was talking in class. I remember multiple times staying after school and writing, you know, a hundred times on the chalkboard, I will not talk in class, and then washing the chalkboard because I was talking. I just talked all the time. It's amazing I get this kind of a job, right? Well, this is what you do. I did this all the, all the, all the time. Now, one one. Day it was it was a Friday, I, I know that because we had Awana that night, and our Awana teachers encouraged us that on Awana day, why don't you wear your Awana uniforms to to school? And I thought this was a good idea, and I remember wearing my Awana uniform to Mrs. Hans' third grade class that day, and it was a very uh, special loquacious day for me, and so I was just going, man. And Mrs. Hahn had already warned me like three or four times, and I just whatever. I, I tried. I really did try. Right? But it just it just came out. And poor Mrs. Hahn, I, I I pushed her over. I mean, she had this meltdown in front of in front of the whole class. I mean, she just she came in totally unglued, and she was screaming and yelling, and and she wasn't swearing at me, but probably as close as a teacher could get to. She was calling me names. She was like, "Oh, thank you, Mr. Harris, for wearing your church shirt today and telling everybody that you're interested in church and God when you act like you're from hell and you know just on and on and on." And she just blasted me. 
Man, what's her problem? I don't know. So I, I sat there and I thought two things about Mrs. Han when we were all done. I thought, well, first of all, Mrs. Han's a witch. Okay, I thought that. I was humiliated awfully. But then I also thought this. I don't know if I put these words to it. But I did think, because they taught us about this kind of thing, that I thought my, my tongue was destroying my testimony. I, I, I'm, I'm bringing all kinds of reproach, you know, on Awana and, and on uh, church and uh, everything, everything else at, at that point. And I didn't mean to, to push Mrs. Han over the, the edge. You know, I liked the lady and I didn't mean to, to destroy the class and undermine her authority and, and rob from all these things that she said that I did. I didn't mean to do these things. But too many words does those kind of things, does it? It, it does. You know, this little thing here, about four inches long, a little over two ounces. You know, you know the, the, the tongue of a blue whale, 2.7 metric tons, right? Now, mine is not as big, although Mrs. Hahn might say it, it was, but it was not. But, but still, James says it's the most powerful thing in the, the world, Maybe this is why in Proverbs 18.21, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We mentioned this last week, that, that uh, death, according to the Bible, is the worst possible thing you can have. Death, you know, God says right at the beginning, the day you, you disobey me, you will surely die. Death is the worst thing, according to the Bible. On the other hand, life... Jesus said, I have come, the whole purpose that he came, that you might have life and have it abundantly. Life is the best thing. And so, so he's letting us know, Solomon's letting us know on the front end, your little tongue has the, the ultimate power. It can do the ultimate damage and it can do the ultimate good as well. It, it can bring that about. Now, I, 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 I think about this. Is, um, we... we know that when we were little, let me give you just a scenario. Let's just say you're playing with your brother. He hits you with a stick. You fall down and you break your arm. This kind of thing would have been normal in my house, right? You fall down and you break your arm. Now you're going to be crying and you go to the doctor and you get it casted. And after a few weeks, you're out of commission, right? But then the cast comes off and you heal and you forget all about it. And you look back even today, maybe, and you kind of chuckle and blah, 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 blah. But I'm guessing, I'm guessing that there are probably some scenarios here where there are relationships with your brother or your sister or an ex or a spouse or kids or relatives or friends, whatever, that is splintered, is pretty much destroyed because of something that was said long, long, long ago. And that relationship has just been buried. Right? But, the, but the wound is, is, is very alive, very real, never healed. Never, 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 never healed. Never, never got better. Um, here's our principle for today. Principle. A person of few words is a person of much wisdom. Or you can say it this way. Wise lips are shut. Right? That's an easy way to say it. If you forget everything else, you can just say this. Because too many words can cause a great, just just think about your words for a second too too many words uh, they can create a lot of grief with too many words you can you can disrupt your home 
Your, your mom can be upset with you. you it can, going back home is not a good thing because of something you said. Uh, once the words are out, it's awful hard to retract them. Uh, you can steal things from people. You can steal sanity from some people. You can cause people to, to, to melt down and say things and do things and become things that they shouldn't and they wouldn't have normally, but your words have put them there. You can steal things from people like a reputation, like their peace, like their joy in life. You can do an incredible amount of damage with your with your words they they, they are a a crazy thing too many words so a person a few words is a person of much wisdom now what we talked about last week was the number one topic in proverbs chapter 10 through 31 is speech right we mentioned this last week over 100 verses on speech and all kinds of different areas of speech, lots of different principles you can draw. One principle that we talked about last week is that we should have soft speech. Remember this? Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. And we mentioned how your, your speech, you could convey a message like sandpaper, or you can convey the exact same message, but like velvet. I would encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, go back. God's Word is really good with that. Um, today we're going to look at the second principle and there are many we're just going to land on a second one with guarding speech soft words last week this week sparse words right sparse words and here's here's our here's our verse proverbs 10 19 when words are many transgression is not lacking but whoever restrains his lips is prudent Years ago, I memorized this. Where words are many, sin is not absent. That's, think about our, 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 our speech for a moment. With it, we can flatter, or we can gossip, or we can lie, we can brag, we can slander and belittle. You know, we, we, there's, 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 we can use God's name in vain. We can curse. We can incorporate perversion. We can use false uh, teaching, heresy with our speech. I mean, it's like depravity on parade sometimes when we when we open our, our mouth. It, it creates issues. Now, God, it's interesting, when he talks about the Ten Commandments, he gives us the Ten Commandments, he uses 297 words to give us the Ten Commandments. Psalm 23, it's uh, quoted in, in the video, 118 words in Psalm 23. The most memorized text in Scripture other than John 3, 16. It's the Lord's Prayer. 56 words in the Lord's Prayer. Yet in a recent uh, U.S. Department of Agricultural um, study, they needed over 16,000 words to discuss the price of cabbage or pricing cabbage. We don't live in a society, and if you think about this, we do not live in a society where it is a virtue to be silent. Oh, no, 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 no. Every news story, you can enter your opinion on it because your opinion matters, man. And what you think matters. Don't hold back. Share with all exactly what's going on. You know, follow your heart. Let it out. That's, that's the culture we live in. And yet Solomon, just sign, sign, sign. One thing that's going to hang you. He must think this because he spends so much time on it. This is number one emphasis that will hang you more than anything else is your tongue. And every time you, you, you come to open your mouth, you need to keep this in mind, son, that you're at a crossroads between heaven and hell and whatever you decide will determine where you are tomorrow. So be real careful. Few words, few words. 
where many words are sin is not lacking. Transgression is not lacking. Um, Proverbs 13.3. We see this all over the place, but let me give you just a couple other texts. Proverbs 13.3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. You don't think about this sometimes, but when we open our mouth inappropriately, we end up... Um, Sitting in the corner, we end up under the the battle with Mrs. Han's uh, words. We end up staying after school. We end up going into damage mode. We end up trying to console. We we, we end up going home where it's havoc because we when our mouth gets us in trouble, it hurts us. Proverbs seventeen, he says, "Whoever restrains his words has knowledge." And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligence. Wise lips are shut, right? Saying, you, you don't have to share everything you think. You, you don't have to share everything you know. You, you don't have to share everything you feel. You don't have to share everything you've heard. You just don't have to share it. A few words, because sooner or later, law of averages, the more things you share, the greater your chance of saying something that is his emphasis. He's going to be in Proverbs. The more chance you have of sharing something untrue. I'm amazed at, at, at this because the number of, of the tongue, the number one issue with the tongue is untruth. Now, now we might think, well, that's not my issue. I can understand other folk can have this issue, but it's just not my my problem. It's not where I'm at, and I I, I would, would hold hold this on, on that. Um, here's here's our question we need to ask though. Just just before we deal that, we deal with that. Is Solomon saying here? That the biggest issue, biggest thing, the, the takeaway is you just need to keep your mouth shut. Is that really what Solomon is, that's, that's his only message. Now, if you're an introvert, you're saying, absolutely. You know, I've been, think, I've been, I mean, I've been thinking about this my whole life. You know, I haven't said it, but I've been thinking about this my whole life. Everyone needs to keep my, if my hyper speech sinful extroverted friends would just tone it down a little bit. World would be a much more peaceful place. That's that's what Solomon's saying. Basement level, maybe he's saying that, but I think he's saying so much more. So we just don't want to miss that. I mean, if the only thing you get today is wise lips are shut, that's probably a good thing. But he's saying so much more. We see this Proverbs chapter twenty-six, verse four. Just look at this. It says, "Answer not a fool according to his folly." Lest you be like him yourself. You come across somebody, a fool in scripture again is somebody who's not, um, uh, they have no fear of God. They, they haven't uh, chosen to have God's word, uh, God's glory dictate where they go, how they think, what they say. And so you've got somebody could be very intelligent, but they're waxing eloquent, some no doubt un-God thing. Maybe they're belittling somebody. Maybe they're talking uh, cocky arrogance and and you come across and you're listening to this 
And you know, this person's saying something that they don't know. But see, you've studied this. You know, and so you're rolling up your sleeves a little bit. You're ready for a verbal fight because you're ready on this one. And so you're going to dive in and you're going to put this person where they belong and you're going to show everybody that what the truth is and you really believe that you've got it nailed. And Solomon would say, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you do that, you, you, you need to know that you're opening your mouth. You're going to become just like this person. The, the, the idea is, is King David. Remember, he's playing his harp for Saul and Saul throws a spear at him. And David ducks, it hits the wall. You know, David could have pulled the spear and threw it back. David was a better aim than Saul. That would have taken care of it. But David knew if he threw the spear back, he would be a Saul. He wouldn't be a David. That's not the way, he, it's not where you can go. It's all Solomon is saying here it is you need to think before you jump in and put them in their place, the motivation in your own heart, it may be just as sinful as this guy. So answer not a fool. But now look at the very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And you're looking at this going, hang on, hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute. So how do I obey God's word here? Do I answer the fool or do I not answer the fool? You know, which will I be in obedience or disobedience? When the answer is, it could be both. Yeah, absolutely. But he's, he's saying this second one, that you see this guy waxing eloquent in some sinful thing. Perhaps what you need to do is you need to call him on it because he's gathering hearers who are listening, who are buying this because his own heart is becoming more and more confident in his sin and it's appropriate for you to challenge him. It's like, uh, uh, look before you leap. And he who hesitates is lost. Which one is true? Well, they're both true. There are times you better look before you leap. You better, you better, you better second guess this decision. You better think twice. You better look it over a little bit closer. But then there are other times that if you hesitate, you're going to miss it because the door is closed and quick and you better move because of the opportunity. This is, these, are, these are Holy Spirit proverbs right here. This, this is saying there are times when you need to open your mouth and there are times when you shouldn't open your, your mouth. Proverbs 31 makes it a little bit clearer. It says, open your mouth. See this command. For the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Because sometimes silence is not golden. Sometimes silence is just yellow. It's the issue is my fear controls what I say. We are all politicians at heart. We'll get that in a minute. But what controls what we say is, how is this going to make me look? And what kind of advantage will I get out of this? And where is this going to go for me? And so you got to know if you're an introvert, Solomon is not saying here, if just fewer words, godliness is with fewer words. Holiness is a word count thing. He's not, not saying that. See, there are times when you need to speak. When, when, when you are supposed to speak up and instead you shut up, you've messed up, is what he's saying. And there are times when, when you clam up when you're supposed to speak up, you've messed up. And so there's a, there's a, there's a wisdom thing. It, it, it's not an issue of what is to my advantage. There's another issue going on here. We'll mention that one in just, in just a second. Now, um, let me 
share, I pointed, mentioned it a second ago, this whole truth thing. It's really big in, in Proverbs. And if copy will dictate reality here, then probably your and my greatest issue with our mouth is truth-telling. And again, we don't think that per se, but I... Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me share with you one of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 18, verse 17. It says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Yeah, yeah. The little girl comes down. Mommy, mommy, uh, Sally hit me. You go, she hit you? Yes, what were you doing? I was just playing with my dolly and Sally hit me. You go, oh, you call Sally down. Did you hit your sister? Well, yes, I did. You're older and you hit your sister. Why did you do this? And you're getting ready. You got, got the paddle out. You're ready to take, take it to this girl. And she says, well, well, what happened is I walked in her room and she was playing with my dolly. She wasn't playing with hers. Hers was right there and she wouldn't even let me play with that one. And so I tried to get my dolly. And as I reached for it, she grabbed my arm and bit me. And look, I'm still bleeding. And she wouldn't let go and it was hitting my bones. And so I hit her in the face with my other hand just to try to let her let go. Suddenly it's a, I knew one side of the story before and she was so sweet and innocent the way she told it. I was just sure that I knew the score here. I was just, but Proverbs says, no, 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 no. There's, there's two sides. And when we hear our friends and when we hear uh, other folk share, Oh, we draw a conclusion in our mind. We 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 know it's. I, I call it like a, a, a connecting dots. You know, you get some dots. You, you you hear some some story. A person shares some things, and so you get some dots, and you go, "Huh." You're looking at the dots, you're going, I think I know what this picture is, and and, and then you take into account things you've observed. And you've noticed, and there's a few more dots thrown to this picture. And you go, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm starting to see it clearly now. And then you take into account your, your discernment and your understanding of, of the human psyche and personality issues. And, and it's more dots. And so you start connecting it. And you go, I think I understand. I think I can see this. And you start drawing the picture and you complete the picture and you're all done. And you go, yes, I understand perfectly now. I got it. I got it figured out. But what you don't understand is there are not 35 dots to this story. There are 4,000 dots to this story. And if you had all the dots, this is the picture you would get. It's all radically. Now you were sure you knew. I know, of course, you know, I'm discerning and it doesn't take a rocket science and I can put two and two together and I've got it figured out. But you don't really understand. In the next picture, beautiful, radically different than what you thought. This is alive. It's 3D. It's exciting. It's not mean. It's not horrible. It's not, not evil. You know, is it, uh, one of my, my favorite Andy Griffith, and I'll share with Andy Griffith because our kids are at retreat. They don't understand these things. But, but I remember, I don't know if it was the original one. It was in the 60s I saw this, though. And, and, and you know, Andy is uh, sheriff of Mayberry, and his little boy, Opie, at this point is probably eight, I guess, maybe nine. And Opie wants to get a job because he wants to buy a new baseball glove. He just needs a new baseball glove. And so, so there's this job that's, 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 being offered at the general store. And so, so he goes down to apply for this job. He wants to buy a new baseball glove. And there's another boy that's applying for the job too. 
And so the, the manager says, listen, I can't hire you both, but I'll tell you what, both of you work for me all week, and at the end of the week, I will choose whoever I think is the, the best employee and will be the best employee for me. He says, but, but keep in mind, it's going to be hard work. And you're going to have to do a good job and you have to come in after school every day and no taking off to go play and all that. You can't do that. I just need to count on you. And so the whole show, you know, you got Opie going and he's working hard and this other kid's working hard. And, and Andy, of course, is feeling kind of uh, cocky because he knows Opie's got a great work ethic, you know. And Barney's saying, oh, what kind of glove is he going to buy? You know, Andy and Andy said, well, Barney, he doesn't have the job yet. He says, yeah, but you and I both know he's going to get it. Well, you know, he probably will. And so he's got this going on the whole show. Well, then towards the end, uh, Andy and Barney are out walking in the street, and this kid turns the corner. He's running. He bangs into him. And, and they say, whoa, slow down, Junior. Slow down. Where are you going? What's happening? And the kid says, oh, I'm just so excited. I got the job. The other kid didn't, but I got it. The other kid wanted off to go play baseball, and so the, the, he fired him, and I got the job. And then he runs on. And Andy knows this, that wasn't, that wasn't Opie. And so Barney's trying to make excuses for Opie. Well, Andy, I'm sure there was a good read. Well, Andy's getting ticked off. He's got the dots. He sees the picture. He, he's connected them well. He wasn't born yesterday. He knows what's going on. So he marches home. You know, Aunt B, where's Opie at? Well, I think he's upstairs in his room. So Andy goes in there. He's all upset. How come you're not playing baseball, Opie? You know, and, 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 and Opie starts to say something. Andy rips into him again and is all bent out of shape. And Opie says, Dad, there's no, there's no baseball game. He says, well, I thought you needed off to play baseball. He says, Dad, I, I, I wanted this job so I could get a new baseball glove. But today I was talking with the other boy and his paw's awfully sick and he wants the job so he can make some money to help his family. And I, I wanted, but he needed. And I, 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 I had to make sure he got the job. And suddenly Andy... Now, he thought he saw the picture clearly before. It was that pumpkin, monster, mean-looking thing. The reality is, you will never have all the dots. Ever, ever, ever. You will never, ever have all the dots. And you seldom will have enough dots to draw an accurate picture. I mean, think of a court of law for a second. got a judge, and you got a jury... And they're, they're all trying really hard to, to, to put their biases aside and see the picture completely and see all the dots. And, and, and so they, both sides are represented well. And on top of that, they're bringing in people and they're swearing on the Bible that the, that the dot they're telling them is correct and they're getting it all together. And, and, and then they draw the picture and they connect the dots. And even sometimes then they get it wrong. So what, 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 Ability do we have to just hear one side, hear a few, see a few of the dots and come to a decision we know what the issue is. And then we start telling people. And, and even, here's the deal, even if our motivation is right, even if we don't mean to say anything wrong, poison is poison regardless of your motivation, right? And, and, and communication that is untrue will destroy community. It will destroy a marriage. It will destroy a family. It will destroy a church, even if it's not meant 
Jesus, Jesus says to the, the Pharisees, when you speak your line, you speak the native language of your father, the devil, because he was a liar from the beginning. Lies are lies, regardless of the motivation, right? And sometimes, and Solomon knows this, you're going to hear things. You just got to keep in mind, you do not have all the dots. You certainly don't have the omniscience and the ability to to put it all together and paint an accurate picture. So, few words, few words. Don't even connect them. But if you connect them, you don't have to tell anybody. Few words. Now, sometimes we'll misrepresent truth accidentally. Sometimes we misrepresent truth. It's kind of a different story a little bit. Let me let me introduce you to some friends of mine. This picture is about thirty years ago. I am in this picture. Can you find me? Now, I'm not the one wearing the skirt, and I'm not the other girl, and I'm not Bill. On the... So I'm the guy in the middle, hands in the pocket, right? These are my friends, and I want you to see this picture and kind of think for just with me a second. This is reality, okay? This is reality. This is what happened. You weren't there. You don't know. I could paint this picture wherever I want, but this is reality. So when I tell you the story, sometimes I might... Now notice the same people, they're in the same place. They got the same looks on their faces. But the way I told the story, it was just a little bit darker. It's just a, it was just a little bit harder what I had to endure. It's just a little bit more of a, of a challenge that I had to go through. And so I, I, so I'm t- telling mostly accurate, but I paint the picture just a little a bit darker. Sometimes we might paint it brighter, but just a little bit darker. Now, keep in mind, if I was concerned with telling the truth, then this is what you would see in your mind. This is the picture I would paint for you. Now, sometimes when I paint the picture, I, I might say this. Reality is, is you know... As I'm telling you, I am the one who's serious. I'm, I'm studious. I'm working hard. I'm trying to come up with a solution. I'm, I'm, but other, there's other people on the team. There's other people I was, you know, when they're babies. They're thinking about themselves, just goofing around, not paying any attention. They were zero help. I had to carry the whole thing. And if we, you really pushed me, I would say, well, they really weren't doing these things. But see, I knew they were thinking these things. See, I become omniscient as I tell you the story because I know their motivation and their heart and that's how I paint the picture. And so when I paint the picture, if you see this and you go, wow, Mark, you were the only one that really cared. Yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't, it's just the way it is. We do this all the time, don't we do that? We do this all the time. Now, this is reality. This is, if I painted it correctly, this is what you'd see. But sometimes when I might, you know... (laughs) Other people, see? Now, now, me, I mean, I'm standing for the truth. And I love Jesus. And I'm, just, I'm really trying. I'm, but those other people, I, I'm, I'm the victim. Now, we don't ever use victim. I am the victim, man. And those other people were mean and bullying and, and hurtful and ganging up. And, and maybe they weren't doing this externally, but I know that's what was going on inside. But me, I'm, I'm, I, I, I am pure. And when you hear my story, you start going, wow, man, how do you even deal with those people? Well, I, it was, it's difficult, but you know, it's, you have to do with the right thing. You know, and that's, well, okay, I guess you, you were all right. Yeah. Now, this is what's true, though. 
But see, I'm, I'm t- taking you down a way that's the road that's kind of true. We got the same people involved, but I'm painting a reality for you that's not reality at all. Now, sometimes when I tell the story, well, I don't like to brag and all, but reality is I, I, I save the day. You know, I came up with the solution. Those other people, they were not thinking at all. But they were very appreciative that I helped them out. I mean, I came up with the plan. I came up with the idea. I helped them all. I was the, I was the savior. I, I took care of it all. I just want you to know I, I did it. Um, but reality, if I was really committed to reality. Now, this is not, on one level, I guess this is funny. But the sad part is you and I do this kind of thing in degrees on a regular basis. Solomon knows that that's the propensity of our heart. He knows that's the propensity of the heart of his kid. That's why he says, listen to me. Let your words be few. Because the longer you open the mouth, the wider you open your your mouth. You're going to say things that twist and bend and distort. And that destroys Community that destroys a family, that destroys a team, that destroys relationships and friendships. It destroys a church. So let your words be few. Uh, Wise lips are shut. Where words are many, sin is not absent. Now, now we've got a uh, uh, problem here. Let me, let's get to the crux of it. Let's get to the heart of the problem. Proverbs Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, he says, The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. The heart of the wise. Just think on that one for a minute. Your speech, whether it's judicious or not, whether it's correct or not, whether it's beneficial or not, stems from the heart. This is what Jesus, this is the way Jesus would say it in Matthew 12. He's talking to the Pharisees, but he says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. All the good things that they've stored up in their heart, well, that's going to bring forth good. But the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Don't just think evil, you know, horns and Adolf Hitler type. Evil is just anything that is not reflecting God and his value and his words. How much stuff do we pack into our heart that's not necessarily reflection of God and his value, his will, his, his word? A lot. And he's, he's saying that, that, that your speech, we don't have a speech problem. We've got a heart problem. Because if the heart is, is right, then the speech is going to make it. We, all of us can have guards set up at our tongue. And they kind of guard our mouth. And so we kind of control what's going to say. But sometimes we're like Mrs. Han who just has the cork is blown and it just all comes shooting out. What comes shooting out at that point? Here's the deal. If the heart is good, you know what comes shooting out? Good. When you don't have to guard it, you don't have to be what you don't have to, then the good. Now listen, this is this is interesting. This is what Paul says about the condition of our heart. He says, uh, this is Romans 3, he says, What then? 
are we Jews any better off? He's comparing the the Jews, God's chosen people, to the non-Jews. And he says, no, not at all. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it's written, of course, written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Not even just a little bit. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Their corporate uh, substance is garbage. It's worthless. Um, Their throat, look what he says. Their throat is an open grave. And they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their path of ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Our heart is a hot mess, Paul says. And what what has comprised our our heart, our our, our psyche, inside who we are. All of our baggage. So if you're from an an abusive or alcoholic or absent parent family, that's, that's in there somewhere. Those terrible things that maybe were said to you at one point that still you can hear and they still those those partially make it up maybe some garbage counsel from Dr. Phil or some friends that were maybe meaning well but was way off or that teacher that tried to convince you that God isn't real and that's kind of thrown in there as well and 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 lyrics or literature that you really kind of took as your challenge for life but it's godless all the same and you just mix throwing a little pornography and throwing your own selfish heart condition and you've just got a, a mess and it's from that that your speech comes. Now here's, here's the problem with that in Matthew 12. Look at what he says. He says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. We looked at this last week. We mentioned this. That there's other verses on judgment in Scripture. But we can't negate this one. In the judgment, it's almost as if there's a separate judgment. Or at least a special part of the judgment reserved for our speech. Let's see what you said. Because you didn't really realize it, but in the power of their tongue, there is death or life. So let's see what you said. Now, here's the deal. I'm not a rocket scientist or anything. But if my speech stems from my heart, and if I'm going to be judged on my speech, then I would think that between now and the time I, I get there, one of the best things I can give my time to, my life to, is the renovation of my heart. Uh, the only way to renovate your, your heart, to my knowledge, is the word, word of God. Romans 12, 2. Look what he says. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renovate the mind. Renovate mind, heart, to be the same thing. That by testifying you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're transformed. We're renewed. We're renovated. We're remodeled. By his word. No, no. Let me, let me just, let me just, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm your pastor. Let me just say this. I don't know how to say this well. But 
some of us have been walking with the Lord a long, long time. A long, long time. Um, But we still, after X number of years, we still, our time alone with God, our time immersed in his word, our time crying out to him, saying, God, would you help this to be true in me? A time of thinking and meditating on his word, on on storing up the good and seeking to be transformed. Our time is eh, hit and miss. Maybe we'll get around to it. Maybe it will work out. I've tried and I, you know, and I, it's just not happening. For everyone who claims to follow him, and maybe you're brand new and this is all new to you, that's, that's, stick with me. But if you're a veteran, especially understand this, that, that, that we're, we've lost time. We can't be saying, well, I'll keep trying, hit and miss. No, 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 no that's not going to work. We need to give, give him the best part of the day if this is true if it's not true let's don't waste any time but otherwise let's give him the best part of the day where we're saturated in his word and we're, we're crying out marriages that are held together are marriages where the spouse comes on on his or her knees every day crying out to god god would you protect my marriage Kids who make it, our parents come every day. God, would you, would you protect my kids? Would you help them? Understanding who he is and having a thirst for him. It's coming to him on a regular basis before his word on your knees saying, God, would you give me that thirst? I don't have it, but I want it. And as you're with him on a regular basis and pouring, you know, your heart is renovated. And when the heart is full of his word and full of seeking after him and full of his will, then, then what will come out? Of course, is his, his word. Now, we will not have full renovation, of course, until we get to heaven. And so I think that's why we need to be working on this renovation of the heart. But that's, in the meantime, Solomon says, while you're doing that, sparse words, recognize that there are two sides of this. You don't have all the dots. You don't know as much as you think you know. Your motivation is not as pure as you think it is. The sparse words, few words, few words. And can you can you imagine a church where? I mean, we'd have to start with me. I, I got it. But can you imagine a church where all of the the, the words soft, where they're sparse, where they're thought out, where everything that is said is is. That which glorifies God. Can you imagine where everything that is said is that which glorifies God? Number one killer in community in our effectiveness would be our tongues. So Solomon says, words, sparse, sparse, few words. Lord, thank you for the, the people that you brought across my path who had the courage to open their mouths when they were supposed to. And maybe I could always blame them not saying it right. They tried so hard and I wasn't hearing right, I guess. But thank you. Lord, would you forgive us for the damage we've done to ourselves and other people? I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be, you'd remind us to be people whose, when we speak, our words are that they reflect kindness, they reflect sound doctrine, they reflect truth. They help other people see reality, not from our hearts, but from your eyes. Boy, I pray that would be so. Lord, as we even take up this offering now, God, would you use it to have your kingdom built here in Erie, uh, FAC, other side of the world, and I even think of our kids who are away on retreat 
knowing that that which is given helps them to be able to go. So thank you, Lord. Would you bless it in the name of Jesus? Amen.